Turn, please, into the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I'll tell you in a little while, in a little bit, why we use that scripture tonight to start with. We're going to be in a, several places in the Word of God. I trust that the Lord might bless and have His way and touch our hearts tonight. So we'll read tonight in 1 Corinthians. We'll stand and just read this, and then you'll be seated. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 51. We've, I've preached off this ages, for ages, for, I mean for ages. And I'm going to continue to preach it. And I pray that God might help us. And this is, should be a blessed help and a hope for the believer. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, now he's talking to the believers. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death! Where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You can be seated. Let's pray together. Father, give us wisdom and understanding tonight of the Word of God. I pray, Lord, you'd give us unction and, Lord, an open mind and, Lord, a strong heart. And most of all, the Spirit of God to direct our thoughts and our thinking, open the minds of the people that they might understand and comprehend the Word. I pray tonight God should teach those tonight that need to hear the truth. Lord, those who hear us online, I pray God should bless them, touch their hearts, encourage them, and we'll give you the glory for what you accomplish in their heart and life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, I want to bring a message something like this tonight. The Old Testament teaches a pre-tribulation rapture. The Old Testament teaches that. I'll tell you why I'm preaching this tonight. Last week, I run into a fella, and I mentioned this here before. I run into a fella, and we were talking for a while, and he had a lot of wild ideas. And I asked him what version Bible he was reading from and studying, and he said, it's all up right here. You remember me telling you that? All right, then uh, this past week, uh, or this week, I've run into some different folks talking to them, and, and uh, on Monday, I, I just asked a fellow, I said something about, uh, do you believe in the rapture of the church? And he said, no, I used to. I said, what happened Did you quit? And he never did answer me except he said something about the last trumpet. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. And you've probably heard this before. If you hadn't, you're going to hear it for the first time. A lot of folks out there. And then today I ask a fella, he is talking to me. He asked me to sit down, and I sit down at his table. And uh, I'm getting a lot of different places. I just want to go around place to place eating. And I run into people, they sit me at the table, and I like the opportunity, you know. But they're not, yes, a mission field. Amen. Only thing is, they're not paying the missionary. I'm, I'm buying my own food. But I said, all right, amen. I had no problem with that. And uh, he said to me, sit down. I want to ask you a question. And I said, all right. And he asked me, and I told him the answer to it. And I said, where are you going to church at now? He said, uh, I take it with me. Amen. The fellow said that day, it's up here. But he said, I take it with me. And I said, what you mean? He said, I just go where I, I don't go to church. I just take the church with me. And I said, what you going to do with Hebrews 10, 25? Amen. 
and uh, 24, 25, 26, not forsaking the assembling ourselves together as a manner of some is. And uh, I hadn't got an answer yet. But anyhow, we went with that. And so I'm getting more interest in people talking about the affairs that they have. Have you noticed any of that? I don't know where you have or not. But I'm getting to talk to people that I couldn't talk to two or three years ago. Now they're seeing things and they're beginning to ask questions and I'm enjoying it. A couple, well, about a year and a half ago, I heard a preacher preaching and he's preaching on the last trump. <laughs> but he is using about the president we had by the name of Trump. And he is using it as a thought that since he, he talked about the last trump, he believed that's the last he's going to be back in office. At that time, he'd just been put out of office and, you know, they robbed it from him. But he's saying that they were going to come back. And that's been a while and he hadn't come back. He thought he was going to pop in one day. And I followed after that for a while, but uh, it didn't happen. But I'm trying to tell you that he was going by that and he gave the two scriptures. Let me give them to you tonight and then I'm going to look at something tonight and share something out of the Word of God. And I pray it'll help you. I read it a while ago. 1 Corinthians 15, 52 says, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. You see that? At the last trump. Then it says, for the trumpet. Now, I want to talk about that in a minute. Shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Now slide over this. The, the word trump is mentioned two times in the Bible. The second place is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And both of these times, it's dealing with when God comes in the clouds or the Lord Jesus comes in the clouds to call up the saints. 1 Corinthians 15, where I just read a while ago, is when he's coming for the saints, not with the saints, but for the saints. And in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, it says, for the Lord himself, now I like this, he's not sending angels, he's coming after us himself. He said, for uh, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. This is pretty plain, I don't have time tonight to get into all this, but I want you to see, this is when he's coming in the rapture to get the saints of God. And I want to look at this. There's three views, and I've mentioned these three views uh, of what people believe about the coming of the Lord. Now, the second coming of the Lord Jesus is when he comes from heaven out of glory with the saints of God and puts his feet upon the Mount of Olives. Now, you see, the Old Testament did not see a church. They saw mountain peak to mountain peak. They have never looked for the church. You don't find the church uh, in the Old Testament except in, in uh, typology. And you see the church from Genesis to Malachi. But the word church is not there. And uh, we'll see tonight, they didn't see the church as we know the church. I'm not going to get into that either. But there's three views that people hold today, and it's one is pre-trib, amen, that the Lord is coming uh, with uh, for us before the tribulation sets in on the earth. There will be a tribulation. Most folks will believe it, but they don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know exactly when it's going to happen, neither does anybody else. But I do know that I believe the church is going to be called out before... Tribulation, Jacob's trouble is going to come on the earth. I'll try to prove that tonight from the Old Testament. I've, I've went through it with the New Testament quite often. But tonight, there's another one. Uh, some people believe that we have a what they call a mid-tribulation rapture. That we're going through half the tribulation, or the church is going through half of it, and then the Lord comes. Now, I can't find scriptures. I see where they're getting their scriptures I've read their scriptures. I've seen what to do. But you have to twist and turn too many scriptures to get that idea. I believe the Lord's coming before the tribulation. You said, well, what's it matter? Amen. Well, I want to get my scriptures right. 
And I, I want to preach it right. I want to tell people, amen. And uh, so I want them to know the truth. And the Bible told me to preach, amen, the whole counsel of God. And that's what I'm doing. And then there's another one, what we call the post-tribulation rapture. And, uh, the, and that means after the tribulation's over that we're going out of here. And, of course, they got post-millennialist and uh, that's what we call them, not a rapture so much as a, 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 you know, a millennium after or after the tribulation's over. And uh, matter of fact, I had a deacon one time, I didn't, but he was working with me. And he said, you know, the world is going to get better and better and better. He went to the First Baptist Church here. And he said, the world's going to get better and better and better until we get a utopia. Now, I looked at him and I said, I don't believe you're right. He said, well, I believe I am. Well, I'd like to get him tonight and see what he'd think now. Whether he went to heaven or hell, he would know the difference now. But I said this. I don't know whether you've heard this in the news or not, or whether you've heard this in some of the prophetic preachers, if you listen to any of them. Uh, some of the prophetic preachers are hard to understand and some of them got it twisted and warped a little bit. But I'm telling you tonight, they, this country is talking about a utopia. I probably heard the word utopia mentioned in the, I guess, five or six times in the last month or so. In other words, they believe that it's going to get better and better. And the, and the, the people are going to get a perfect society. They're looking to have a perfect peace. Now, Society is looking for that. Your high escalon people up in the, uh, in, the, in the politics and in the world, they're looking for somebody that's going to solve the problem of, of the health problems and the physical problems and the economic problems to where we will not have no problems. They're looking for a perfect peace society. And uh, that's what they're working on. They'll never get it. Because the Bible said they cry peace, peace, sudden destruction cometh upon them. I've got my Bible. I know what it says. So they're looking at that to get it. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at these things. Have you noticed, have you noticed that uh, in our day, and I mentioned this yesterday to the ladies down at the print shop. Have you noticed in the last five, ten years that we're getting more and more, uh, you know, these, what do you call them? These complexes like over to place of apartments. They're making more and more apartment complexes. The reason is because socialism, which is not a good thing, socialism is trying to move everybody to town and get them close where they can control them. Today, I found out or heard today that by 2030, by 2030, uh, they're going to try, and they're working on it now, making sure that the Ten Commandments are of none effect. Amen. Now, I see some of you looking like you don't believe that'll happen. But I want to tell you, this country is getting to be anti-God, anti-Bible. Amen. Now, I'm not going to get rid of the Ten Commandments. Neither are you. But uh, listen, you don't... You don't find people today even paying much attention to them. Amen. And they're going to have them to where they're nothing. You said that won't happen. You get enough of ungodly people in the world, bro, they can do that. And so I'm looking at that and I'm saying, I'm, not, I'm, gonna, I'm honestly believing I'm going to be out of town. Trusting God I'm going to be out of town. And I believe it. Now, I want to look at this. I'll give you the two times that Trump is mentioned. In the Word of God. Now there's two more words of that part. The word trumpets and the word trumpet. The word trumpet without an S is mentioned in 60 verses of the Bible. The word trumpets with an S on it is mentioned 40 ti 44 times or 44 verses of the Bible. Now we know tonight that the trumpets have a purpose. The, the trumpet was used in the Old Testament for two things. Number one, it was to call to order and call people to assemble. 
And they called him to worship with the trumpet. The second time that you find the, the trumpet mentioned in the Bible, and it goes back and forth, back and forth in the Old Testament, isn't they blowed the trumpet for battle. So it's always an assembly or always for a battle. Now, we look at these things and, and look at them. But I want to look at this, and here's what a fellow told me, or I heard of some preachers preaching. Matter of fact, I've heard this four or five times in the last little while. That's the reason I'm going to deal with it tonight. You probably had not heard it. If you have, it's just been here and there. And you probably didn't grasp it or look at it. But they are saying that the Lord is going to come for His people. Because 1 Corinthians 15 talks about it, the last trump. And 1 Thessalonians says the Lord's going to come with the trump of God. And they are saying that the rapture, or what they call this, there's no such thing as a rapture, but the Lord's coming to, you know, at the last trump. Now when they're doing that, they're talking about the trumpets, the trumpet judgments in the book of Revelation. Now these folks are twisted. They're all wrapped up. They're twisted up. So I want to show you this tonight. I don't want to get over your head and don't want to put something here that you don't want to see, but you're going to see some things tonight. I believe it'll be a blessing. i got to hurry. Amen. Uh, Bonanza will be on before we get through. All right. But we want to look at this. In trumpets, look at the trumpets in the book of Revelation. We won't look at them nowhere else since that's what they're using. In Revelation chapter 8 and verse number 2, the Bible said, And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Now these seven trumpets are going to be trumpets of judgment upon this earth. Amen? We've talked about that before. Verse number 6 of that same chapter. And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The next time uh, you'll find it, we go back to Revelation a little bit further, and I'm going to go back and get the word trumpet, all right? That was trumpets there, but let's go back to Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 10. Now watch these scriptures, mark them if you can and will. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 10, John is on the Isle of Patmos, He's in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And in verse number 10, he said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Now we go to verse 1 of chapter 4. Revelation 4, verse number 1. After this, I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. The next place is mentioned in chapter 8, where we were a while ago, down in verse number 13. And the Bible said, And I heard, and I beheld, and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, 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 to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. And then one more time in chapter 9 in verse 14 the Bible says, Say unto the sixth angel which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. Now what they're saying is after that last trumpet sounds, that's when the Lord is coming. I don't find that here. Amen. And so I don't go with their little idea with that. I'm going to go show you why tonight I won't agree with it. All right? Now, we want to look at something. The church, I said a while ago, is prophesied. It's declared. It don't come out and mention the word church. But it is portrayed and uh shown in the Old Testament. I'm going to take my Old Testament tonight and prove that to you. Matter of fact, if any preacher comes along and tells you this is prophecy and this is the way it's going to be, 
Find the answer for what he's just said in the Old Testament. If you don't find it in the Old Testament, leave it alone. The Old Testament, God put everything in it. You folks that's been to school, studied the Word of God, you know good and well God put everything in the Old Testament and then the New Testament comes along and unfolds the Old Testament. There's a lot of things I couldn't understand out of the Old Testament if I didn't have the New Testament. If I just had an Old Covenant or an Old Testament and I didn't have a New Testament, I wouldn't know what in the world was going on in this society today. And if all I had was a New Testament and I, and, and I, didn't, have nothing, I didn't have the Old Testament, I still wouldn't know what's going on. So God put us an Old Covenant and a New Covenant together. He put us an Old Testament here and a New Testament here. You see, God dealt with a Jew. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. And now he's dealing with the Gentile and the Jew in the church age. You've got to get that right. If you don't get that right, you're going to be in the dark. Now, I want to show you something. I'll just give you a couple of instances, but I could give you a lot more, but I don't have time. We'll have to make a bigger study on this, okay? But I want to show you two instances where that the church is shown in the Old Testament as being taken out before the tribulation. Boy, there's a lot of people don't understand that. Oh, we're going to go through all that. I'm listening for a shout. Amen. I'm looking for the Lord to come in the air. Now, when he comes back for the church, he's not going to put his feet on the earth. He's coming in the clouds just like he went out in the clouds. Now, when he comes back with the saints in Revelation 19, and hey, he's got to come and get us somewhere or he's not going to be able to bring us back. Right? So I know that's there. So when he comes to get us in uh, with us in chapter 19 of Revelation, he's bringing us back. He's going to put his feet on the Mount of Olives. You'll find that in Zechariah and some other places in the Old Testament. But that's not what I'm here tonight to talk about. So I want to tell you the two things that I want to look at. We've got Enoch in the Old Testament. And we've got Noah. Those are two particular ones. Who was, who, who was Enoch? Enoch was the seventh from Adam. I had a fellow ask me uh, Monday, what did I think about the book of Enoch? And I said, I don't have it. I've read it. And you said, you read it? Yeah, I've read the book of Enoch. But it's not in the canon of my Bible. And I did that just to let everybody know I'd read it. And let them know I knowed about it. But God didn't put it in our Bible. Amen. I can explain all that too. It's not real hard. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure all this. All you got to, I heard Brother Harold Sattler this morning said he preached in 63, I believe this message. And he said, you know, if you'll just study your Bible, God will give you something to make you understand the Bible more with the closer you get to God. And he said, it's called common old horse sense. And I said, Amen, brother. And kept it going. Well, what I'm looking at tonight is there's Enoch. Who's Enoch a type of? He's he's a type of the born-again believer who's walking with God. And he's, he's, he's walking with the Lord. He's talking with the Lord. And he was not, for God took him. He's a type of the, of the raptured saints or the translated saints. Caught out in a wicked hour. Somebody said you can't live for God in a wicked time. You can do it. Some are doing it now. Thank God for that. I don't care how wicked it gets. Some can live for that. Matter of fact, everybody can if they follow God. But most of us don't want to yield in to the Lord. Let Him help us. But He will help us. So Enoch's a type of the translated saints. Do you remember who the oldest man was in the world? Methuselah, where did he come from? Enoch. When Enoch died, his name means that which will take place or happen at his death. And when, when Methuselah died, the flood came in through Noah. Noah's a type 
of the people on the earth, Jew and Gentile. Matter of fact, there wasn't no Jew then. It was all everybody. And uh, we all find, matter of fact, it's just one race of people. Amen. And so we'll find that Noah's got the ark going. And he's inside that thing. And he's a type of going through tribulation. And God taking care of people going through the tribulation. And that's a type of that. And he comes out of it on the other side. Somebody said, now, you mean the church is going to go through? No, he's not going through the tribulation. The church ain't. Which is a type of God delivering the saints of God out of tribulation. All right? Now let's go a little bit further and look at this. Those two things right there tell me that there's going to be a pre-trib rapture of the church. Now, I want you to take your index. Go to the index of your Bible. I don't normally tell you to do that. But I just want to make sure we get this right. You are taking notes, put down in a list. These and put the name right under the book, right under the book. I'm going to give you these books. Now, we're going to go first of all to the, to the, to the index. That's over there where it tells Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and all that. You remember? You know what I'm talking about now. Well, find that. Get that in your page where you see it. And then go down to the book of Ezra. You see Ezra in your index? When you find Ezra, what's behind it? Call them out to me. Nehemiah, Nehemiah. what's next? Esther, what's next? Job, what's next? Psalms. Now that's five books. And I'm going to stop there. I want to look at them five books for a minute. God can show us what I'm talking about of a pre-tribulation rapture out of these five books. Five, by the way, is the number of grace. I don't know where you know that or not. The number of grace is five. I've known that for years and years and years. Other preachers have come out and said something else. I think you call it death or something. But I've always looked at it as the grace of God. And so I look at it. Now I want you to go under Ezra. Right out from Ezra. I want you to write out from the right side of Ezra and write in these, these words. The regathering of the Jews. Now stop and think about it a minute. Ezra has just come out of the Babylonian captivity. They've been there 70 years and now they're bringing the people back in to the country or the people of God. So there's a regathering in Ezra. The second book under that is Nehemiah, which also includes the regathering of Israel and also the reestablishing of a nation. And they come back together. And it's a type of the Jew being gathered back into the homeland in 1948. When Israel once again became a nation. I was born in 1947. But the year well, I was a year old when Israel became a nation. How about that? Amen and amen. And they're still gathering into Israel. They're going to continue together in Israel until the Lord begins to work with them again. You with me? So in 1940, I'm preaching something that Billy Sunday and D.L. Moody and all them couldn't preach. I'm preaching that Israel is a nation. They might have preached it and thought it was going to take place because the Bible said so. But they couldn't preach that it's happened. Now, we come to the next book. It's called Esther. Right out from Esther, write this in. There's a Gentile queen changed over to a Gentile, I mean a Jewish queen. Vashti. In the book of Esther was the queen. She was a Gentile queen. And God took Vashti out and put a Jewish queen in there by the name of Esther. Now we're right out from that. You just look at that and, and see what's happened. God's going to take the Gentile bride, which is made up of some Jews too as well, 
out and put in the Jew down the road. A nation will be born in a day. God won't be dealing primarily with the Gentiles anymore. He's having to put up with us now. But he's going to go back and revert back to the Jew that's been on the sidetrack for a long time. Amen. And he's going to bring them back in. Amen. Now the next book is Job. Can anybody tell me what Job is a type of? Tribulation. Amen. He went through more trouble than anybody on the earth. If you'll stop to think about it, it's been recorded. There's probably been others, but God recorded. Can you see how the Bible, somebody said Job is the oldest book of the Bible. Have you ever heard that? I don't know where they get that. I guess I've read things. I've heard them here say that. And somebody said, well, if it's the oldest book of the Bible, why wouldn't it put the first book in the Bible then? He said it's out of chronological order. No, it's not. God put it where he wanted it to be. My Bible is right. Right, God? I get excited when I think about how my Bible is. Praise God, I trust it better than I trust anybody or anything. Praise God. I can get typos and everything else, but I can't find it in the Bible. Amen, unless somebody done it when there's a print in it. Amen. But I'm telling you, there we find that Job is a type of tribulation. Can anybody right off the top of your head tell me how many chapters is in Job? 42. Would somebody do some math tonight? How many would take it? Just look at it. Take 42 and divide it by 12. Wouldn't you? What do you get if you divide 42 by... 42 months. Three and a half years. There you go. There you go. The Jews are going to go through three and a half years of tribulation. Now the first half is seven years, but the first half is going to be peace confirmed with the Antichrist. And then he's going to break that in the midst of it. Do you think that's just right? How come there's 42 chapters there? Length of the tribulation. All right. Then the next book is the book of Psalms. Right out from the book of Psalms, put it in there. It's a book about the kings and the kingdoms. Are they not the king, excuse me, but the king? The book of Psalms will give you all there is to know about the king and a kingdom. David knowed him. Amen. He's a type of him. So you see that tonight? You can take that alone, them two things right there, and prove to anybody you want to, and I can give you others, but I don't have time for it tonight because there's a couple of things I want to get into, and we'll look at it. I want us to go to Leviticus chapter 1. Now, some time ago, some time ago, I started teaching and preaching on the five offerings of the book of Leviticus. I think I got the first one and the second one, and I quit. It ain't because I wanted to. It's just because the Lord ain't put me back there and I'm wanting to get back there. So I'm just going to give you a little bit of it tonight. There's two things out of the book of Leviticus I want us to notice. Right now, we're going to go to the first chapter. And out of the book of, of Leviticus, which is the book of worship, amen, Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus, the third book of your Bible. And we'll find that there's five offerings. Five special offerings that they had to offer. There again, I tell you, five is the number of grace. I'm going to give you these tonight. You jot them down. And I'll give you what I can and what they mean. And you'll see what I'm talking about when we get there. In Leviticus chapter number 1, through chapter number 5, you will find these five offerings. The first offering is found in the first chapter. And it starts off, and it is the burnt offering. So write that down, the burnt offering. It's called the burnt offering or the consecration of Christ. 
is for consecration. Now, it's, it's going through the ritual of doing this to tell you we've got a, a consecrated Savior. That's what the first offering's for. The second offering, as a matter of fact, let me just mention this about the offering. You had three classes of people. You had the rich, the mid-class, and the poor. Amen. Somebody said, I wish we could get the place there wasn't no more poor. Jesus said, the poor you'll have always with you. Amen. Hey, some of us uh, idiots ain't never going to get nowhere. Amen. We're going to be poor all I've been. Somebody said, You've been, yeah, I've been poor all my life. The only problem is I got a little older when I was all young and kids. Everybody was poor and we didn't know it. Now we've grown up in society and they let us know we're poor. Amen. But they had it for the poor. They had it for the middle class. And they had it for the upper class. The upper class could offer a, a bullock. Amen. Cow, whatever. The herd, they'd bring them in. Because the, they, they could afford them. The middle class couldn't. So they, they used a lamb or a goat. And then the poor class... They couldn't get all that. They didn't have it. So they could offer a turtle dove or pigeons that they could get free. So God is taking this and using it for a sacrifice for all people in all classes. I'm glad God sacrificed that way. When he died on the cross, he died for the rich, the poor, and the middle class. Now the rich, rich many times won't call on God. They won't have nothing to do with him. And sometimes the poor won't either, but God's made provision of salvation to every man on the face of the earth. The Lord ain't a Calvinist. Amen. Now, the second one is found in chapter number 2, and it's called the meat offering. And there's no meat in it. It's a meal offering, if you will. And it's offered as, as Christ, the bread of life. And uh, I preached a little on that before, but I'm not going to spend time with it tonight. We find that Christ is the bread of life. And then the third one is found in chapter number three, and it's the peace offering. You read these chapters when you get home, you'll see it. The peace offering. And that gives us peace with God. Amen. If you have peace with God... Somebody said, I want the peace of God. You can't have the peace of God. Do you have peace with God? Amen. Amen. When you have peace with God, He'll give you peace, the peace of God. It flows from Him. Then we got to the next one, which is the fourth chapter, and it's the sin offering, and that's the atoning for sin. And the fifth chapter is the trespass offering. And all these sacrifices are given. And we look at that. Well, I just wanted to throw that in because I want to go a little bit further and show you something else that's right in line with the saints of God to the, to the rapture and the tribulation. And show you that through the seven feasts, some folks have never studied much on the seven feasts. I've studied them quite a bit down through the years, hadn't preached them much. One thing, it's about like the tabernacle. I love the tabernacle. I've taught the tabernacle here. I love to preach it. I love to study it. It stirs my soul. But when I preach that, I watch everybody go. It's not an exciting thing to preach about. The tabernacle. Neither is, the, neither is these feast. But if you want to know what your Bible says, you're going to have to study it out some way or another. And understand it. I'm going to give you these feasts. Go to Leviticus chapter 23. In the 23rd chapter of the book of Leviticus. And I'm going to show you. That you can get a pre-tribulation rapture. Out of the book of Leviticus chapter 23. Now break it up with me today. Go to chapter 23. And let's look at verse number 4 and 5. In the fifth verse, it says, In the fourteenth day of the first month at even in the, is the Lord's Passover. Now the Passover here corresponds to Exodus chapter 12 
when they put the blood across the top of the door and down the side post and they had what they call the Passover lamb. Matter of fact, I think I'll skip over just a little bit. I'm going to hold my hand there and I'm coming back to it. But I want to go to the 12th chapter and show you. Some of you, I've showed this so many times. And every time I preach on it, I do it again. The Bible said in chapter 12 of the book of Exodus in verse number 4. And if the lamb, well, excuse me, verse number 3. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying in the tenth day of this month. That's important. The tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man. What's that say? Next two words. A lamb. A lamb. Do you know what a lamb is? It can just be any lamb, right? I mean, looking at it. A lamb. I'm going to show you what that means in a minute. According to the house of their fathers, again, he says, a lamb for a house. Verse number four said, and if the household be too little for, what's them two words? The lamb. Countrified the lamb. Let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make you count for the lamb. There's a difference between a lamb and the lamb. I'm glad I know the lamb. But I'm glad I know him better than that. In verse number 5 it says, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. Now to the lost world that does not know God, to people who are heathens and wicked and worldly, Christ today is just a lamb. He's just a lamb. But to those who have come to the knowledge of the truth to some extent through the preaching of the Word of God, and we've got a lot of people on the face of the earth that are troubled and under a little portion of conviction that could be one if we spent some time with them. Christ is the Lamb. They recognize Him special from a Lamb. He's the one that can and could save them. And that's what I preach to the lost. Christ is the Lamb for the lost. Then when he gets down to verse number 5, your Lamb. This is the saved people who have received Him. He's not a lamb to me. He's not the lamb to me. But he's my lamb or your lamb tonight. Hallelujah. You see the difference? Now the first, first feast is the Passover feast or the, for the Passover lamb. And that brings redemption and salvation. Amen and amen. Going back to Leviticus chapter number 23 this Passover feast is found in verse number 4 and 5. Then we come to the second feast, which is the feast of unleavened bread. And it's found in verses number 6 through verse number 8. And it's the bread with no additives, no oil, nothing like that, no salt, nothing of that nature it's unleavened. Leaven is a type of sin. And it's the perfect bread. Who Christ is the bread of heaven. John chapter 6. We don't have time to get into them. But we know tonight that he is the bread of life. That is the second fruit. Amen. And we're going to look at the Passover as being redemption and salvation. And then we find the Feast of Unleavened Bread is a, is a type of the bread of life. And we grow our bread of life from Him day by day. He feeds us on spiritual things, on not worldly things, but spiritual things from the Word of God. Amen. Every time I open my Bible, I'm eating heavenly manna. Glory to God. Amen. 
Praise God. Now the Israelites got the place they didn't like that manna. But I got to where I like it pretty good. All right. Then we find the third one is the Feast of First Fruits. That's recorded from verse number 9 to verse number 14 of, verse of chapter 23. And the Feast of First Fruits is a type of the Christian sanctification. And also, it's a type of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ because He is the first fruits of the resurrection in the New Testament. He's the only one that ever rose from the dead on His own power. There have been five or six or seven different ones. I can't remember exactly how many now that's been raised from the dead from Genesis to Revelation. But every one of them has been raised by the power of God except the Lord. He's the only one that ever walked out of the grave on his own strength and power. And that's also a type of the resurrection of our life. Matter of fact, you got two resurrections if you'll stop and think about it. When I got saved... I got a spiritual resurrection. The Lord reached down. I was dead in trespasses and sins. And he picked me up and established my being. And wrote my name in glory. And made me a brand new creature. That's alive now see. Had a resurrection. I got one more coming. It's going to be a physical resurrection. You said well you might miss it and go to the rapture. I might. Amen. But I'm coming back to the earth. And I'll get, go up with the saints of God. And that spiritual resurrection is when we got saved. And the physical resurrection is when we get a new body like under the Son of God. Does that make sense? All right. Now, the next feast in the 23rd chapter of Leviticus is the Feast of Pentecost. Pente means 50 or so that's what we call Pentecost, it's 50 days after Jesus ascended back into heaven. Oh, well, not 50 days after, but 50 days after the resurrection, excuse me. 10 days after he ascended back into heaven. And it's a type of the Holy Spirit coming down and uh, empowering the church. Now, if you look at these, you'll see that these first four have already taken place. Right? Now we've got three more of them. Next is going to be the Feast of the Trumpets, which takes place in verse 23 and down through 25. And it is a type of the regathering of the Jewish people. God, is, He's going to be working with us till we get called out of here. The day of the church is going to be gone. The day of grace is going to be over. And God's going to resort to playing and working, not playing, but working with the Jew again. And he's going to sound the trumpet to regather Israel. Even after the rapture of the church, there'll be some regathering back into Israel. And then we find the sixth one is found in verse number 26. Uh, and, and on down through 32. And it's called the Feast of the Atonement. Feast of the Atonement. And I always said that atonement means at one -ment. That's what it means. If you don't know what at atonement is, it's just making people at one with God. That's, the blood of Christ does that. You see, you look at these and you say, I, I ain't too interested in what you're telling me. I know I can tell by looking at you. But I'm trying to tell you what I'm preaching and it's real. People don't want to hear these things, but you need to know them. So the Feast of the Atonement. This is when, Jesus, when the Jews recognize that Christ is the real Messiah. They're praying at the Western Wall tonight, Lord, come. They're come, praying for the Messiah. They're not praying, Lord. They're saying, Messiah, come. Messiah, come. They're pulling them little prayers out of the walls because they rejected Christ. The Messiah has already come. They just didn't recognize it. And so they're going to do it. But the Bible says in the tribulation hour that they're going to recognize that he is the Messiah. And so that's what the Feast of the Atonement is. And then the seventh one is the Feast of the Tabernacles, which starts with verse number 33 and goes through verse number 44. And you can understand that. That's going to be the Feast of the Tabernacles. That's when the Lord comes back 
after chapter 19 of Revelation with the saints of God and then he sets up an earthly kingdom and he will be the king supreme and rule over the earth for a thousand years. So where are you going to be? The Bible says we as the saints of God be ruling and reigning. Amen. You said where are you going to rule and reign at? I hope right here. Now, I'm throwing some things out there you probably laugh at me about. But I've been criticized and laughed at and made fun of in this county for so many years because I'm so hard-headed and won't budge and won't back down on some things. And uh, one of these days, I believe God let me just walk up and down in here. Amen. You said I thought we was all going to be in Israel. Amen. Going to be a lot of people there, ain't there? You think the rain on the earth, it don't say it rain in Israel. Talk about the rain on the earth, the thousand year rain. That means the saints of God will rule and reign. We're, we will rule and reign. The saints of God, you see, the Jew, that's two different entities here. I don't want to get into this. It's already time to quit. You understand what I'm saying? I'm just throwing some things at you to study. Thank God for the Word of God. Amen a lot out there. Ain't you, ain't you glad? <laughs> Amen. I love my Bible. I love my Bible. I just love it. I like it when it talks to me. I like it when it hugs me up and tells me. I love it when I see these things. Oh, sometimes I get seeing things out of the Word of God and I can't hardly wait to get to the church. I'm behind now on some of my preaching. I got so much to preach I know good and well I ain't never going to get it told. Uh, my brother said today, said, you reckon you'll ever get it told? I said, no. I'm going to die short of ever getting it told. Nobody's ever got it told yet. Amen. A half ain't never been told. Praise God for that. But I'm sure trying, and I like it. Amen. So does that help you any? Just to take those things and see that the Old Testament is teaching us that there's going to be a time of regathering. There's going to be a time of God working in the, in the tribulation on the, the Jew. And then He's going to make it all new. Amen. And I can see that it's a pre-trib thing. I'm not even concerned about the mark of the beast or all that stuff. I'm not even worried about the Antichrist. Amen. If somebody told me he is Antichrist and stepped up today... I, I would start checking every, every, every church member I got. I'd be calling your house to see if you're still here. Amen. That's how certain and sound I'm believing tonight. I'm going before the Antichrist is revealed. Amen. Somebody said, reckon he'll have blue eyes and brown hair. Who cares? I'm looking for the Christ, not the Antichrist. Hallelujah. Heads bowed tonight. Thank you for coming to the house of God.